It's finally here. It's finally here. Week one of the NFL season is finally here. Welcome to another edition of It's a Football Podcast. I'm Savid Dean, joined by Tyler Dragon. We are dancing. We are excited. We are happy that it's week one of the NFL season. Tyler, share your excitement with me, man. How happy are you that we're getting underway here? So before this podcast, I did a cartwheel and a backflip. So that's how excited I am <laughs> to celebrate week one. I'll have a Hennessy I'll... on the rocks. I cannot wait. Ooh. I can't wait. Oh, wow. You better put some ice on your, uh, put put some of those rocks on your hamstrings after all that uh, celebrating you didn't just I know. probably would need to. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get week one underway. We got a star-studded podcast for you right now. We got Mike Jones, our national columnist with USA Today Sports, and Parker Gabriel, our Denver Broncos writer in Denver. We're going to preview the season with them. You're going to preview the season with us. Tyler and I are going to make some week one picks for every game on the schedule with producer Emily. But first, let's kick it off here with our Hall of Famer, USA Today national columnist Jarrett Bell, who's been on the road early this preseason, and we're really excited to get underway this year with him, too. Jared, how's it going, man? Uh, pretty good. It's good to be out here with the young bucks, <laughs> the young studs for a change. How y'all doing? We're doing good. We like to keep you young, JB. We like to keep you young, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. JB, you gotta tell us you gotta tell us about your trip to Idaho, man. I've I've never been to Idaho. I hopefully I get to all fifty states, but you gotta tell us what you were doing in Idaho, man. That's such a great story that you got coming up real soon. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, uh Safa, because I was doing the thing last week, like, okay, which states have I not been to, right? And Idaho was on that list until uh last week when I went to go visit with Sean Payton. So the last time Sean Payton had a hiatus from coaching, um, he was suspended <laughs> by Roger Goodell for uh-huh. the uh, bounty scandal that the Saints had. Um, this time, he's decided to take uh, a year off. At least that's what he hopes it'll be just one year. And he wants to get back into coaching. So an opportunity for him to um, recharge his battery. He's working for Fox on the weekends. Um and it was just good to, to catch up with him in Idaho. One of the things that was fascinating is that, you know, I ran into all these other people uh, and and was and, and had other people identified to me who I didn't know, actresses <laughs> and actors and, you know, like um, uh, Marky Mark. Uh, Mark Wahlberg has a house like right around the corner from Sean Payton. Uh, Justin Bieber is down the street and we saw him uh, on his morning walk last week. And so uh, Wayne Gretzky, the greatest hockey player ever, um, is like one of uh, Sean Payton's uh, regular golf buddies. I mean, and you and you could tell that they were like really buddies because they're cracking on each other and the whole thing and, and got a chance to um, to learn their history over the past couple of years as they've gotten uh, to be close. So it was pretty cool to, to catch Sean Payton in a different environment. We talked about, you know, a ton of things. Um, just to give you a quick little tease though, or, or some flavor. Um, so Sean thinks that the saints will win the NFC South. <laughs> okay. We're in the and same court. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was, he's really, um, serious and adamant about that. And, and, and I can see his optimism, you know, Jameis Winston is back and they have Andy Dalton 
So if anything happens to Jameis Winston, they've got a really good backup in place. And oh, by the way, they've got, you know, a great defense that has, you know, really done a number on Tom Brady and the Bucks. Even before Tom Brady got there, the Saints, I think, have won like six in a row regular season matchups against the Bucks. So the Bucks are the favorite on paper. And we know with Tom Brady um, and, and all of that, that they'll be a strong contender. But, but Peyton um, believes that the Saints are doing. I said, well, you know, you're biased, right? And he says he admitted that he was. But um, again, I think the one thing that he said that really kind of, you know, swings him to to this conclusion is the fact that the Bucks have had their share of problems. The Bucks and the Saints are both kind of in a similar situation when you think about their coaching scenarios. So Dennis Allen replaces Sean Payton. He's been there before as a defensive coordinator, built a really good defense. Well, and in Tampa Bay, same sort of thing. Todd Bowles had been there for a couple of years as D coordinator. He steps in for, for Bruce Arians. So there's some continuity there. Um, but uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was Sean's take. Another thing that was interesting, we ran into this couple from Detroit in the uh, clubhouse and they were talking to Sean and asking him if there was any hope for the Detroit lions. And <clears throat> he said, he thinks that the Lions are ultimately going to win a Super Bowl. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Not this year. <laughs> okay. So the, the bias really comes out because Dan Campbell, the, the Lions, you know, off the wall head coach, if you will, came off of Sean Payton's staff with the Saints. And Aaron Glenn is the Lions D coordinator. So obviously, you know, Payton has – um, you know, a bias when it comes to, you know, rooting for the Lions. But his point to the people that we were talking to was that when he got to New Orleans right after Katrina and they didn't even know if the Saints were going to stay in New Orleans at that time, it was rock bottom. And the Saints franchise had never won and had, you know, nobody in the Hall of Fame and and just had this dismal, you know, history against the backdrop of, the city trying to recover from Katrina and he saw that turnaround. And so that was kind of his, his message to, to the fans in Detroit. And I'm like, okay, okay, Sean, you're, you're out there on that one. But um, <laughs> for me, yeah. JB, I thought for me, JB, I thought Sean was just trying to be nice to all his new neighbors, man. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is something to that as, as, as well. So, um, you know, but yeah, that, that whole thing. And I'm from Detroit. So I grew up, and I know the Lions history very well and just know the futility that has existed there. The fascinating thing about Detroit is the fact that the Lions still sell out, right? As bad as they have been for as long as they've been bad. And we're going back to Bobby Lane days, okay, for the most part. I mean, there was Barry Sanders, right? And they had playoff teams for a while. But in terms of really being a contender, it has been so long. And the, the fans in Detroit just won't give up on that team. It's it's pretty incredible. So the Lions fans, a lot like the Cleveland Browns fans, where, you know, they get hope and it gets extinguished and they get more hope and they come back. So here's another dose of hope for them, I guess. So I will Isn't never it? forgive the Lions for what they did to Barry Sanders. I feel like they wasted one of the best running backs of all time's career. I mean, if Barry Sanders played with the competent franchise, we will be talking about him as in the same breath with Walter Payton and Jim Brown as the best running back ever in the history of the National Football League. Yeah, imagine, imagine if Barry Sanders was 
behind Emmett Smith's offensive line with the Dallas Cowboys. You know, um, Barry lost a lot of yards just in terms of trying to create, but you know, his, his average per carry was great and his production and everything that you just said, Tyler, he was just so fun to watch, man. I did, I did a story with Barry Sanders, um, maybe the year before he retired or, or, you know, within a, within a couple of years from when he, he walked away. And one of the, the major pillars of the story was the fact that Barry Sanders told me that he had never, ever, ever won a championship, not in peewee football, not in high school, wow. junior high, college. And obviously in the NFL, he had never won a, a, a championship. And that is almost incredible when you think about, yeah, like I say, you go back to peewee football and you're talking Barry Sanders, who wow. was, you know, a phenom from way back. Dude never won. Yeah. Poor, poor Barry needed help for a long time, man. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he, he did. He needed help for a long time. Yeah. JB, I wanted to ask you, you spent some time with the Buccaneers uh, earlier this preseason. Um, I believe this was before Tom Brady went on his little hiatus yeah. from training camp. Oh, yeah. Um, what What do you make of, of Tom Brady's absence and I guess where – uh, the Bucks do go with Todd Bowles as coach now that Bruce Arians has stepped to the side. Into yeah, I think in the office. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple things that you know struck me. One, you know, when, when I went to practice, and this was like the first week of training camp, right? But Bruce Arians is at practice too, and he's tooling around just like he was last year in his golf cart at practice, and you know he's talking to players and doing the, it's just like the same old Bruce Arians. I'm like, okay, who's coaching this thing? Um, I think in a lot of situations that would be very weird and uncomfortable, right? Um, but for Todd Bowles, it's not because if you know the history that he has with Bruce Arians, it's like father son. I mean, Todd Bowles played for Bruce Arians at Temple. So, you know, when you put it in that context, okay, it's, it's not, not as crazy as it might look. And Bruce Arians is still in the Bucks, um, building as a senior consultant. You know, they've got, a lot of brain power on that Bucks coaching staff. Um, but, but one of the things that I thought was interesting was when I talked to, to Bowles about how he would manage and how he would coach Tom Brady. And basically he said, Hey, I'm going to have hands off with him and, you know, I'll talk to him. It won't be like Belichick, you know, Bill Belichick used to have these weekly, you know, skull sessions with Brady and they'd sit in the room for a couple of hours from what I understand and just really get drilled down on, on the upcoming opponent. Ty Bowles is not going to do that. He's going to trust that, you know, Byron Lefwich and, and, and um, Tom Moore and Harold Goodwin, Clyde Christensen. I mean, that offensive staff is in place and it, it, it really appears that they are um, in sync with Tom Brady, especially Lefwich, and Brady. So, so Bowles is going to lean on that. He said, Hey, I'll go in and tell him what I think the defenses are doing to, to help him try to gain an advantage about the opposing defenses and whatnot. I think the real question will come on, you know, during game management, you know, what kind of situations that will come up that affect the whole team. And Ty Bowles is going to have to be the one to make the decision if we're going to go for it on fourth or two, for example, or, or what. So, you know, there's this natural interplay between the coach and the head coach. I mean, the coach and the the, the quarterback. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but that was an impression from the football standpoint. We know um, Tampa Bay's offensive line 
looks like a liability. And when you just look at it is a liability when you talk about who's gone because you lose your Pro Bowl center, Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet retired. Um, people weren't expecting that. He was a very good guard for them. They lost somebody. <clears throat> they lost another guard in free agency. And then they've had a couple injuries in training camp and they've got young people trying to step in. So um, the jury is definitely out. And especially when you look at the interior of the line, you know, Ryan Jensen, the center, a lot of people don't know what a center does, but I mean, they know that they're important, but Ryan Jensen was like the personality of that offensive line. And he was the enforcer and he was the, you know, the guy that got everybody going on that offensive line <clears throat> in addition to, you know, calling the, the line signals. And so we'll see Robert Hainsey who came out of Notre Dame and was a tackle in college. And when the Bucks drafted him, they moved him to center. And now he's in his second year and, you know, he's, he's into the fire, if you will. So we'll see what, what happens there. Julio Jones, um, that's a, that's a, 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 an interesting person to look for in ter- to look at in terms of how he um, manages his season. We know he, he's had injury problems. He looked good in training camp, but he's done that before. So we'll see if he holds up. But you know, Chris Godwin is coming back. Obviously, they've got you know Mike Evans and and um, Gage and yeah, yeah. That, that was the guy, Justin Gage, who came over from Atlanta. Really looked good, and that was like I said, that was the first week of camp. But um, from all indications. Um, you know, he's had a good camp. One more thing. You talk about Tom Brady and that absence, right? Now, the way Todd Bowles explains it is that, you know, Brady and and there's all sorts of theories out there in terms of, you know, what's happened. And there was a page six report uh, that really kind of um, targeted Brady's personal life with his wife and, and whether, you know, their situation is on the rocks. Um, Brady hasn't addressed anything to that degree, but um, the way Bowles put it at the end of, uh, you know, Brady's absence, he was like, he really only missed three days of practice. It was 11 days, but those 11 days came right when the preseason started, when he would not have played. And then there's a day off before the preseason game and a day off after that sort of thing. So that's kind of how he, he, he justified it. And in a sense, you, you can you can stomach that 11 days. So that's like new math, right? 11 is really three. But um, when Brady came back, they said he was, you know, he was sharp. And, and when I saw him, he was sharp. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I, like I said, I think the real question is going to be, you know, what that protection is going to be for him up front, in addition to, you know, all the usual stuff about injuries and stuff for, for anybody. If anybody can miss some practice time, it's the guy who's 45 years old and been in the NFL for 23 seasons. So I think that's a, not a, a huge deal. But, JB, I want to go back to Sean Payton. I think it's really interesting that, you know, he wants to take a year off and he was very open about it and mm-hmm. that wanting to get into coaching uh, next season. So my question for you is, does Sean Payton have a wish list, wish list sorry, of teams <laughs> that, you know, he would want to coach next season? And does he have, you know, like maybe does he want to be a GM and head coach? Does he want to just be a head coach? Like how much control does he want to have in his next situation? That, that, that's that's a great point. And if he has a wish list, he hasn't really revealed it. He's kind of been 
open except to say that he wants to go to a strong organization that has, you know, good leadership at the top and um, understands, you know, the importance of having a quarterback. And and he didn't specifically say he wanted to have total control of personnel, but obviously wants to to really be able to influence that. The one situation that he had, the, the situation he had in New Orleans with Mickey Loomis really worked out. And um, he and Loomis are like, you know, if they're, if they're not best friends, they're, you know, in that, you know, in that conversation on who's your best friend. So he and Mickey Loomis really, really had a great relationship. Um, now, other people have wish lists, wish mm-hmm. lists, I should say. <laughs> lists. <laughs> yeah, we can't lists. say that word today. Maybe it's because it's week one, JB. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. But, you know, everybody is wondering about Dallas, right? And whether or not, you know, Sean Payton would would be the guy if Jerry Jones bounces Mike McCartney and, I, and McCarthy. And I think that's, you know, that's an obvious thing when you think about, you know, Sean Payton has been to Dallas as an assistant before he went to New Orleans. So he understands the culture. He has a good relationship with Jerry Jones and, you know, it's the Cowboys. And so I think a lot of people are going to be looking at that situation as it unfolds, you know, really closer to the end of the season, maybe even during the season in terms of what the the trends are with the Cowboys. Um, But the pressure is squarely, you know, on McCarthy and that's no secret. And when Jerry came to to training camp a few weeks ago, um, you know, he kind of hinted at it as well. And so I think that's the first place we look now. There's been these other places. I, I think Tyler, that your situation, well, the, the the market that you're in anyway, Arizona, might be a possibility when you think about Cliff Kingsbury and um, how the Cardinals have, you know, really kind of, you know, reached the ceiling on how good they have been and might be under Kingsbury. And not just the fact that they haven't, like, competed for a championship, but when you look at the Cardinals over, you know, the, the Cliff Kingsbury years, they've, they've been a team that as you get – Later in the season, they get worse. And so I think that's a, a team to look at and say, hmm, maybe that might be one of those teams. But, you know, the one thing, you know, Peyton, you know, said to me is that he figures there will be, you know, six or seven jobs open, just like there, there usually is six or seven jobs open. So um, and as far as specifics, yeah, didn't get too deep into that at all. But I think everybody knows that there's a couple that we could look at and say, okay, what about this place and that place? In your opinion, out of those six or seven jobs that will probably be open, do you see him going to a team that is at the beginning of a rebuild or a team that is close to contention? Yeah, I think I, you know I, the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I would think close to contention, but, you know, it can also be, you know, a team that has a quarterback in place. And so, so you look at a Kyler Murray, but obviously a Dak Prescott with the Cowboys. I mean, I think that would be the attractive, you know, destination if you're a Sean Payton. And yeah, he's done the rebuild because that's what happened in New Orleans. And, and not only, you know, they won one Super Bowl, but they were always in contention. They, you know, could have. You know, could have, should have, would have, whatever, <laughs> had the opportunity. But they were, you know, they were in contention for a long time and won a lot of division titles. But the point being that they built it from scratch. 
And so he's done that. I don't know if he has the stomach to do it, but, um, you know, if you're looking at the landscape and you're saying, okay, I may have an opportunity to go here or there, you know, those are the things that, that you, that you would consider. Man, JB, all I know is I can't wait to go visit uh, Mike McCarthy or uh, Cliff Kingsbury in Idaho next season, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They may <laughs> there's some real estate down the street that's for sale. I'll go hang out with them and Justin Bieber and Wayne Gretzky and all uh, next offseason, man. <laughs> JB, thank you so much for your time. We always appreciate you stopping by here, kicking in the door with us and hanging out with Tyler and I here, man. Thank you so much. We're going to preview the whole entire league for you all in this podcast, star-studded, full of info. Let's get started right here with Mike Jones. Who? You know who it is. It's Mike Jones, man. Who? Our national columnist for USA Today Sports. Kick it off, guys. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Tyler? I'm doing pretty good. We're right up close to NFL kickoff, so we wanted to get you know your opinion on the season coming up, the predictions. But first of all, what did you think about you know the preseason? Do you think the NFL should uh, in- decrease the preseason games? Are you fine with three? I'm fine with three because I know okay. that those guys on the bottom third of the roster are desperately wanting all the game reps that they can. So it's great for them that they get to play more in the preseason because it's more showcase opportunities, more opportunities for them to be evaluated. Um, So that was one thing that a lot of guys that I talked to who had been those undrafted free agents who came into the league. And I remember times in that fourth preseason game where guys would make a name for themselves and get themselves onto the roster. Now it's one game, fewer opportunity to be able to do something like that. So guys who are in the league now who came up through that fourth preseason game showcase opportunity, they want these guys to get as many reps as possible in games Yes, practice reps are good, but the whole game setting is important to them. So I understand from that standpoint, it's kind of torturous for us to watch. Um, Mm -hmm. But for the guys who are trying to make a living and get that game atmosphere, game plays put on tape, um, it is important and valuable for them. Okay. I agree with you to an extent. I don't like the preseason at all, but I do think two games is kind of a sweet spot. Third, if you're third string, fourth string, fifth string in a depth chart, I think that's enough time to prove yourself as well as having joint practices and then the training camp. If you can't prove yourself in two preseason games, joint practices <laughs> and training camp, you probably don't deserve to make the team. Thank goodness the preseason is over and we can talk about real football, regular season football. Kicks off on Thursday night in a matchup between the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams and the Buffalo Bills. I want to get your prediction on, do you think the Rams can repeat? Are there going to be like some surprises this year? Like who's your biggest uh, surprise team? I think we'll see some surprise teams. I'm not saying that they're going to surprise Super Bowl winners. I'm not going to say they're mm-hmm. even going to be another Cincinnati Bengals that goes from uh, <laughs> a crappy team to Super Bowl contender. But I think that we're going to see teams. I've got three surprise teams that I think we'll see Carolina, 
I think that Baker Mayfield is going to be really good for them. He's highly motivated. They, you know, I know they have three straight years of double digit losses, but they have young talent they've been assembling. And I just think that Baker is going to give them a jolt. If they can keep Christian McCaffrey healthy, then that makes them a totally different team. And that division, there's question marks about every single one of those teams, even Tampa Bay. So I think that Carolina can be a surprise team. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars can be a team that really takes a big leap. I'm not going to say that they are absolutely making the playoffs, but I think they'll be much improved. Trevor Lawrence is going to look like a guy that was taken first overall um, under now that he's got Doug Peterson, Mike McCoy in his ear. And I have the Miami Dolphins. I think that they're going to be very intriguing. Again, don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but they're going <laughs> to really put pressure on um, New England for that other spot because Buffalo is going to win the division. Uh, but they will challenge, I think. I think that uh, Mike McDaniel is going to be really good uh, for Tua. Tyreek Hill is going to be good for Tua. Um, just knowing that he's the guy and that this is all invested in him will be good for Tua's mindset. And again, they had a good defense. They kept the whole defensive staff um, outside of uh, Brian Flores. Uh, so they just need to, to fine-tune there. The offense, I think, will take a leap. So I think that Carolina, um, Jacksonville, Miami will be surprised teams that will contend during the regular season again don't know how deep they'll go into the postseason but they will catch some teams by surprise and be relevant so i think soffit pays you to say the miami dolphins because he loves Tua. he's so high on the dolphins so <laughs> <laughs> i i, I just don't see i think they're gonna be good it. <laughs> but i i do want to ask you about your panthers prediction do you think that they could actually win the nfc south I don't think they can win it. Um, I still think that Tampa, look, it might not be quite as dominant as we've seen Tampa the last two years in, um, under Tom Brady. I got questions about Tom Brady. Um, you know, when you start thinking about retirement and then you take a little time away, we don't know what that was exactly for. There's all kinds of stuff flying around on the internet, but we don't really know. Um, but I just wonder if there's going to, and the, their offensive line is the biggest question mark for me. They have had uh, free agency, retirement, injuries just have decimated that line. So I've got them as one of my disappointments. So I still think they can win their division, but they might fall flat in the playoffs. Don't know if they can make a beat, deep run. Um, but I still think they've got the experience factor. They'll have a little bit of an edge over Carolina. But Carolina, I could see them being a wild card team. Hmm. I think you're sleeping on the Saints a little bit. I like what the Saints no. have done this offseason. How? How? Got a top me, 10 what? defense. Okay, wait a minute, though. Their head coach, like, he gives you confidence? Jameis Winston gives you confidence? I, they, Jameis Winston gives me some confidence. He gives me more confidence than Baker Mayfield. I'll say that. He gives me definitely wait, wait, more wait, confidence wait, wait, than Baker. Yes. Mr. Yes. 33 touchdowns and 31 mm -hmm. interceptions gives you confidence? Yes. At least he threw those 33 touchdowns. <laughs> he might yeah. turn the ball over a little yeah. bit. But he was careful with the ball before he got injured. Look, I covered uh, Rex Grossman in Washington for a little while, and Kyle Shanahan said the best thing about him. He said, best thing about Rex is he's always going to keep you in the game. Worst thing about Rex is he's always going to keep the other team in the game. That is what you can say about Jameis Winston. He's going to keep both teams in the game. I do not believe in him at all. I don't believe in Dennis Allen at all. Wow. I, I mean, you're going to have to work really hard to sell me on them.
You got a top 10 defense. You got Alvin Kamara, one of the best running backs in the league. You just got Chris Olave in the draft. Jarvis Landry to go with Mike. I mean, man, Mike Thomas. But their quarterback is going to throw 30 interceptions. Maybe it won't be 30, but he's going to throw like close to 20 interceptions. He's going to throw almost as many touchdowns as he does interceptions. That's scary. Can you – can you admit this? Before he got injured last year, season-ending knee injury, he was a little bit more careful with the football. He was more conservative. He was. He was. He wasn't tossing bit. ten interceptions. No, but it's just like I just I I look at Jameis and everything that comes with them, and he just makes me laugh. Like, okay, I can't take him seriously. He's a caricature. I just. I can't, okay. I can't believe, and I liked him coming out of Florida State, but like he's just let me down too many times. And just, I just look at him, all the antics and everything. I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it with a straight face. Well, before I get you out of here, I need your NFC championship prediction, AFC championship okay. prediction, and then we're gonna go to Super Bowl after that. Okay, NFC, I've got the Rams. Beating Green Bay and AFC, I've got Buffalo beating Kansas City. So Buffalo getting revenge against the Chiefs. I, I yeah. do like your NFC prediction. We have the same NFC prediction. We okay, differ a little AFC? bit on AFC. So my AFC, I actually have the Chiefs beating the Bills. However, oh, okay. it's a surprise <laughs> though because I don't have the Chiefs winning the AFC West. I have the Chargers winning the AFC West. But then the Chiefs okay. getting revenge in the playoffs. Um, and then okay. in the NFC, I do have the Rams going back to the Super Bowl. And I have, but I have them playing. Who does I have them playing? I think I have them playing the Packers. Yeah. No, no, no I had them playing the Bucks. Oh. So mm. the Bucks okay. and, yeah, the Bucks and the Rams. And I think Aaron okay. Donald is feasting on that Bucks offensive line. Three new starters in the interior, and I just think it's going to be too much for Tom Brady because Tom Brady hates pressure, you know, interior pressure. That's kind of his kryptonite throughout his entire career, pressure in the interior, and I think Aaron Donald provides that. So those are that's my Super Bowl prediction, and then I'm picking, this might surprise you, the Rams to repeat as Super Bowl champion. First time in almost two decades a team has repeated. What about you? That that doesn't surprise me because I got the Rams beating wow. the Bills. I got them repeating as well. Yes, sir. Yeah, we so agree on this. We're on the same okay. page there. There we go. Okay. Nice, nice. So we have the same Super Bowl prediction. Hopefully I'll see you in Arizona. We'll be covering the game. But before we get to that point, it's week one. We have a long way to Glendale, Arizona. But it's great having you on today, Mike. All right, man. Thanks. And I'll look for, hey, you're going to like have me out to the house, cook us up a nice meal or something like that. You know, oh, yeah. For, and get ready for the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I'll even throw a party for all the USA Today staff. Okay, there we go. There we go. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. And now we have our resident Broncos reporter, Parker Gabriel. Parker, it's been relatively quiet in the AFC West and in Denver this offseason. What's, what's going on? I haven't heard too much news coming out of Denver. Yeah, the regular season's about to start, and I, there's really not much going on. It hasn't been uh, hasn't been any activity at all. <laughs> well, you know, obviously I was joking, but it is man. I, Denver is just every couple days they make headlines. Yeah, it's funny uh, that you say that. Every every few days, the 
when something big happens in Denver, they use the team room as sort of like the press conference setting, but that's only for like the big stuff. And we've been in there three times in the last four weeks. So um, <laughs> that's, that's sort of the measurement of, of what's going on. But yeah, uh, Russell Wilson, five-year extension up to $245 million that tax on to the two years he had left on his deal. So he's now under contract for seven years through 2028 at up to 296 million. Um, on the new money, 165 million of it's guaranteed. Functionally speaking, like 201 million of it is almost fully guaranteed. Um, he's got a acceleration clause where in 2024, his 2025 uh, money becomes guaranteed. So the, the short story there is Russell Wilson's going to be a Denver Bronco for a long time. Now you mentioned, you know, the new ownership group. Did they, when they were first, you know, bought the team, did they go out right in front out the gate say, you know, we want Russell Wilson to be our quarterback of the future. And this is our first mission is to give Russell Wilson a long-term extension. Did you guys kind of know that was coming all along? Yeah, yeah, yes, definitely. I mean, it was it was certainly a priority of the new ownership group. But the thing about it was the the group didn't get approved until August 9th. And so in there was a pretty short window. Uh, Russell Wilson, his agent, Mark Rogers, were not going to talk about a deal uh, into the regular season. And so there's a pretty short window between early August when the ownership deal was actually approved to, you know, when... Uh, an extension could have happened this year. It didn't have to happen this summer because Russell Wilson's under contract for this fall and for 2023. But that sort of three or four weeks um, after the ownership group got its feet on the ground here was enough um, to, they had talked, I think, framework and all of that, but the nitty gritty really came together in the last three weeks and they got it done late Wednesday night. With Russell Wilson and Denver, how do you see them you know, stacking up against, you know, a really talented and crowded AFC West. Yeah, I think a lot of times, like there there are certainly teams in the NFL where if they would have traded for Russell Wilson or another, you know, top tier quarterback, you would think that it really sort of changed the power center and whatever division they got traded into. With Denver, I mean, I think it basically puts them squarely in the conversation. Um but it's not like they suddenly became prohibitive favorites in the West or anything like that. I mean, they, they basically got themselves into a position where they can make a run at the division. Uh, they can be in playoff contention. You know, without uh, that level of quarterback play uh, in, in the West at this point, the FC West, uh, you would just be swimming upstream constantly. So I think it puts them right in the conversation. I think it makes them a playoff contender. Um, and as good as the division is, I also don't think it guarantees him anything when you're talking about the postseason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, when I look at the Broncos, especially last season with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater under center, I've always felt like they were a quarterback away from being a legitimate contender in the AFC West. And now they have that quarterback. And it's interesting that, you know, they have a quarterback at the caliber of Russell Wilson. And I still don't think they're going to get first, second, or even third in the yeah. division just because of how stacked the AFC West is. Now, I, we've talked about this a lot. I have to get your prediction. Uh, on record now, now that it's just a regular That's season. Right. We can't I'll say it's May it, anymore I'll, because it's September. Yeah, it has to be on record now. Now, I'll tell you my prediction, and I might get bashed for this. Producer Emily's already going to kill me because I usually pick the Chiefs 
all the time. But again, this year, picking the Chiefs again. This year, I am not picking the Chiefs. I'm going against the grain, and I'm going to pick the Los Angeles Chargers to win the division. I have the Chiefs getting a wild card spot, though, getting second. And I actually have the Raiders getting a wild card spot, too, in the playoffs, finishing third. And then, unfortunately for, you know, the fans in the city of Denver, I have the Broncos bringing up the rear fourth again for a second consecutive season. But how do you have the AFC West stacking up? Yeah, I've been, I've been telling everybody, and I think I've probably said it on, on this podcast, too. I mean, somebody in the division has to finish last, you know, and that's like, <laughs> that's, it's true. I mean, someone is probably going to get left out. Um, and I, I've got it. I'll take your your spot for, for this fall, Tyler. I'm, I'm going to roll with the Chiefs to win the division just until I see it with my own eyes that they don't, you know. Um, okay. I think – I certainly think that there's every possibility – um, that the Chargers could could get it done. You could make an argument for the other two teams, but I, but I'm going with the Chiefs narrowly. Uh, I like the Chargers to get into the wild card, and and like you, I've got three teams in the West making it in. Um, I think Denver will find a way to get into the postseason as a wild card, but it could come right down to the end. You know, they've got um, they've got the Chiefs and the Chargers the last two weeks of the season, New Year's Day, and then and then that last weekend. Um, and it, it, you know, someone's going to have to win uh, a game or two on the road in the division, and and the teams are going to have to hold serve at home. It's going, I think, it's really going to come down to that, uh, especially in the West, where teams are going to beat each other up. And so, yeah, give me Kansas City, uh, the Chargers, and then the Broncos. It's crazy to say with Devontae Adams going to Vegas and all that, but uh, like I say, some, I mean, someone's got to come in fourth, and and I think it'll be really close. Wow. So give me your AFC. I mean, not yeah, your wild card teams in the AFC. So you yeah. have the Chargers, and then you have who else again? Denver, and then this Denver. could be controversial, but then for the third one, I'm saying Cincinnati. Okay, okay. So you have the. I'm assuming you have the Ravens winning the AFC That's right. North. That's right. You have the Lamar then, Jackson revenge tour, and then you have the Bills winning the AFC East. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we we're in alignment on that. And the AFC South, I have the Colts winning. Who yeah, do you same. Have? Same. Wow. Okay. And you have the Titans not making the playoffs. Not making the playoffs, correct. Yes. Wow. So we're pretty much alive. The Titans, in my opinion, are gonna be the most disappointing team probably in the AFC this year. I think Ryan Tannehill regresses more and they're just not gonna have a really good year. Derrick Henry's back, he's gonna rush for a thousand yards probably, but I just had the Titans, you know, regressing. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's any on each side, you know, at the AFC and the NFC, there's there's those couple of like you feel good about the top ones, and then that that's always the hard thing to figure out, right? Is that line of uh, the last couple teams in and and the first couple teams out, and you know, it's possible that the AFC West uh, cannibalizes itself a little bit um, and and actually makes it tougher to get in, but I just think that the teams in that division. Are are likely to fare well outside of of the division. So let me get your prediction for the NFC, each division winner. I'll give you mine first. Uh, I had the Cowboys winning the NFC East. Okay. Now I went back and forth in this. I, I like what the Philadelphia Eagles have done this off season, but I still have a huge question mark 
<laughs> around yeah, on the quarterback. I, yeah. Yes, on the quarterback. I don't know what he is going to do and how he's going to be able to develop this offseason. Now, he has all the skill position players around him to succeed. The Eagles have done a remarkable job of building their roster this offseason. But I think the Eagles get in as a wild card, but I'll give you my wild card later. Huh. NFC North, I have the Packers winning. The South, I have the Bucks winning. And then the West, I have the Rams getting in. Now, no my three wild card teams are the 49ers, the yep. Saints, and the Eagles. We're, we're really boring podcasters, Tyler. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because I have the same, except for I have the Eagles winning the East and the Cowboys mm. getting in as a wild card. The, but, the, you know, similar to like the Titans, like the Vikings mm-hmm. were a tough one for me. Because I, I think that they're going to be explosive on offense. I don't know exactly where they're at defensively. But Kirk Cousins has a lot of weapons to work with. Um, mm-hmm. uh, offensively, and Dalvin Cook, you know, a healthy year from Dalvin Cook. I mean, that offense could be could be pretty dynamic. Um, and, you know, Green Bay's in the division, obviously. But they've, they've fared okay um, the last couple of years, uh, you know, splitting or, or taking games off of Green Bay. And so I don't think they have enough to – supplant the Packers in the division, but I do think that they're going to be a threat. Um, and so that was sort of the, it came down to me, you know, that sort of like Dallas, New Orleans, Minnesota for a couple of spots. I just think the Cowboys and, and, and Saints find a way in that scenario. So which team in the NFC is probably your biggest disappointment. There'll be disappointment if Dallas doesn't if Dallas doesn't win the East, right? I mean, I think that's oh, always yeah, uh, yeah that's so, true. I mean, they, I think <laughs> you could you could make the argument that they could get into the postseason as a wild card and it could still be disappointing. I mean, if they're the second mm-hmm. or third wild card, does Mike McCarthy like does does he feel good going into mid January if that's the case? I mean, you know, I guess it all depends on what you end up doing in the postseason. Um, boy, other than that. Um, it's sort of like it crystallized a little more. I guess Arizona, you know, that to me, down your way, Tyler, I mean, the, the expectations are there um, and they just haven't shown that they can, you know, sustain it through an entire season. And so maybe they'll surprise me, you know, maybe they get going and then they get Hopkins back after the six weeks and, and, and they get hot and, and they sort of turn the tables on what it's been the last couple of years. But again, it's... You know, you sort of believe it when you see it on that one. And, and they, they obviously play in a tough division, too. Yeah, for me, it's certainly Arizona. I think the loss of Chandler Jones is going to be huge for them. They don't have uh, very many players who can rush the pass there. And then, like you said, DeAndre Hopkins out for the first six weeks. The Cardinals are known for starting fast, but now they're not going to have their best right. player right. to, you know, start fast with. So I think that is going to hurt them tremendously. And the NFC West is loaded similarly to the AFC West. And, you know, I think Trey Lance is going to put the 49ers to another level, especially later in the season once he gets his feet wet and gets more comfortable with the speed of the game. So before I get you out of here, I have to get your AFC championship prediction, NFC championship prediction, and then Super Bowl. So let's start off with the AFC first. I don't think you're going to go with the Broncos. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I, I think they'll. I think they get into the postseason. Uh, but in the AFC title game, I've got the Bills over the Chargers. Wow, the Bills over the Chargers. So you have the so Chargers I don't, all the way to the championship game. Yeah, 
Yeah, so this, this this could tell you how how the the this backs up, I guess, what I'm what I was telling you about the West, where I like the Chiefs to win the division, but I, I really like the Chargers, and you know, I think they're I think they've got what it takes, um, you know, to make a run in, in the postseason, and that's that's the way I I've decided I think it's going to shake out. Okay, and then you have the Bills beating the Chargers. Yep. Okay, and then an the NFC. Uh, I yeah, I've got uh, Green Bay over the Rams. So who do you have hoisting the Lombardi Trophy in Glendale, Arizona Super Bowl? You have Josh Allen finally getting over to hunt. I do. Yeah, I have uh, wow. I have the Bills beating the Packers in the Super Bowl. Wow. So wherever Von Miller goes, Super Bowls Super just Bowls follow. follow. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> that'd be his third. You know, th- that'd be three with three different teams, right? Denver, right? Uh, the Rams and Buffalo. That'd be pretty incredible. Well, we can make Super Bowl picks all we want, but it starts at week one, which we are getting kicked off this week, Thursday, September 8th. And we're just going to run down every one of these games. We're not going to do this every week because I'm not putting myself through that kind of editing hell. But we are going to pick them on week one because it's week one. We're excited to be back, but we're going to still do our uh, five game highlights so that at the end of the season, I don't know, are are we still doing dinner bets? We might as well do another dinner bet because Tyler keeps winning and I keep avoiding. All have the you dinners, even fulfilled so. the last one? He there's has so not many fulfilled bets. The last one. So <laughs> I'm lot, thinking about being up. You know, uh, when I come to Miami, I'm going to have to go to Prime One Twelve on South Ed, and I'm going to order the biggest, best steak on the menu. I mean, the gonna, Super Bowl's in your neck of the woods, so I don't know. I might have we're to do it there, at Arizona. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, either way, maybe. Tyler, you better. Either way, Tyler, you better get you better get ready to wash some dishes, man. I'll be right there next to you. Okay, I mean that's fine. I'll wash dishes at my own place. That means I'm doing the cooking. So you know you'll get uh, some curly fries, and I'll grill some on the foreman grill. For you. <laughs> let's do it. All right, let's get things cooking with these picks again. We're going to give you winners losers for every game, but highlight five of them. So starting off Thursday, September eighth, the first game of the 2020 season. 2022 season, 8:20 p.m. Bills versus Rams. What are we thinking? Is this a is this some kind of preview for the season? What are we looking at? Bills Rams. Safed, what do you got here? It'd be really cool to end the season with this game. It's a great, great game to start off the season. Um, I got the Bills in this one, Tyler. I'm taking Josh Allen on the road. I think the Bills got a lot of proof this season. Last season ended really badly for them in the playoffs. I think Josh Allen kicks off an MVP year with a big win week one in L.A. So anytime a Super Bowl champion uh, opens a new season and, you know, raises the banner, that kind of takes an emotional, psychological toll on you, and you, you got to switch from the celebratory mode to game mode. So it's a rough, tough transition. However, I'm going to pick the defending Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams, to win the season opener even though I do like the Bills roster, I think they're probably the most talented team in the National Football League, but I'm picking the Rams. Well, we heard what Parker Gabriel said, that trophies follow Von Miller, so we'll see what happens here. Let's move on to Sunday. We've got the 1 o'clock games now. We don't have to pause on every one of these, and I have a feeling Eagles versus Lions is when we can just get the scores or the winners and losers and move on. What do we have at Eagles versus Lions? Uh, I got the Eagles, and let's keep, mo- keep it moving, producer Emily and Tyler. <laughs> I got the Eagles too. It's going to be a rough time in Motown this year. 
<laughs> All right, moving on. Still at 1 o'clock, we've got the 49ers and their newly signed expensive backup quarterback against the Chicago Bears. Safed? Oh, you were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo for the 49ers. Okay. Um, I actually, uh, Tyler, I actually like the Bears in this one. I'm going to take the Bears at home. Um, I think Justin Fields and Trey Lance, Justin Fields has a little more experience. And uh, I think that's going to probably do him better than in, in the opener than Trey Lance. I'm picking the 49ers. I know Trey Lance is a little bit raw, but I believe in that 49ers offense, especially their running uh, attack. And that defense is one of the best defenses in the NFL. I got San Francisco. Switching over to Tyler to start here because I know he loves this division. I know he loves his Bengals. We got the Steelers versus the Bengals. The Steelers newly announcing Mitch Trubisky as their captain and quarterback for week one. Tyler, how do you see this game playing out? I got this game almost a, a blowout. The Bengals are going to win pretty easily, probably by double digits. I don't trust Mr. Trubisky. I don't trust that offense. I mean, I know Najee Harris is a really good running back, but the Bengals, they are loaded. They're one of the best teams mm-hmm. in the AFC. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and those boys. Bengals by at least 10. Yeah, I have to agree with you there, Tyler. Double digits as well. Um, <laughs> shout out to Mike Tomlin, naming Mr. Trubisky, starting quarterback. Um, and a captain as well. I think that's a really big honor for him, especially from a coach like Mike Tomlin. We'll see how this Steeler quarterback situation goes, Tyler. It doesn't excite me at all. Him or Kenny Pickett, I'm sorry. Everybody else in the Steelers roster, I like. Everybody else except for the quarterback <laughs> position. So we'll see how Pittsburgh seasons goes, but uh, I got the Bengals when they AFC North. All right, let's move on to this next one. I'm just going to say the teams and let you guys go. Tyler, who are you picking in Patriots versus Dolphins? I'm going to get under Soppet's skin here, and I'm going to pick the Patriots just because I want to be a contrarian and I want to get under Soppet's skin. So I got Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, and the Patriots over the Dolphins in Miami. Wow. Tua Tungavaloa, 3-0 against Bill Belichick already, Tyler. <laughs> uh, he's going to go to 4-0. <laughs> Patriots are practicing this week in Miami, or in Palm Beach, excuse me, to get used to the heat. I don't know how much practice they're going to be able to get in, but... I got the Dolphins by double digits. Tyreek Hill is going to be the MVP in this game. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a game that has a lot of talk, and I'm just feeling like a not a lot of action is going to come out of this. What are we thinking, Safed, for the Browns versus the Panthers? I got Baker Mayfield getting the win over, over his old team, Tyler. I think – I don't know if the Panthers players are going to be excited to play against the Browns as Baker Mayfield is going to be. We'll see if they can add their uh, intensity up, uh, you know, level up to to match Baker. But I know the Browns defense is going to be ready to play. I just don't know what they got on offense outside of Nick Chubb. Um, So I got the Panthers in this one. It's going to be close, ugly, but I got the Panthers in this one. Yeah, I I can see an ugly game. If Deshaun Watson was playing, I would pick the Browns. He is not playing. So I'm picking the Carolina Panthers to win this game. As you said, Baker Mayfield is going to be highly motivated to stick it to his former team. And I think the Panthers are going to rally around him as well. First of 11 games, Deshaun Watson must sit out this season. Moving on to the Colts versus the Texans. The Colts, under the leadership of Matt Ryan, have heard a lot of good things coming out of that camp about Matt Ryan's leadership. We'll see what happens. Safed, what do you see out of Colts versus Texans? I just want to say I think the Texans have picked up some really good players in the last like week or two. Um, I think they're going to be a team that gets better a little bit later on in this season, Tyler. Um, but I got the Colts in this one. I think Jonathan Taylor runs over everybody in a big win for Indy. 
So I wrote in my 32 storylines piece entering week one that this feels like an audition season for Davis Mills. And I think he's going to fail that audition <laughs> throughout the season. He's not the answer in Houston. I definitely have the Indianapolis Colts, who I do think are going to win the AFC South. All right, and you guys heard earlier this podcast, Mike Jones and Tyler talk about how crazy Tyler is for picking the Saints to do well this season. The Saints are up against their division rivals in the Falcons on Sunday. So, Tyler, you want to you want to explain yourself a little bit? What do you are you going to pick the Saints in this game? I mean, um, I don't. I think the Falcons might be the worst team in the NFL. So, of course, I'm picking the Saints, and you know. Yes, they have to replace Sean Payton, and that's, you know, a lot of pressure. However, I do like what they have on their roster on both offense and defense. They have a top 10 defense, and they arguably have the best receiving corps in the NFC South. And that's not crazy talk when you have, you know, those three receivers, Alave, you know, um, Mike Thomas. And you know Jarvis Landry, that stop it. That's a pretty good trio Earth, at receiver. Earth to you, Tyler. And then, Earth to and you, then Tyler. I haven't even mentioned Alvin Kamara yet, who is probably the best running back in the division. So the Saints, they are loaded too. If the question mark is Jameis Winston, are you going to throw a hundred interceptions this season? Are you going to be careful, conservative with the football? I think he is. I like the Saints week one. And multiple weeks too. <laughs> I like the Saints over the Falcons, but uh, and I love Alvin Kamara as the best running back in the division. Yes, but uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Russell Gage—they got—they got a word with you, Tyler. They got a word with you. Hey, it's close. It's close. They are much I said better arguably, than the Saints receivers. I want to say they got the hardware to prove it. They got the hardware to prove it too. Tom Brady has a lot to do with that topic. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the Ravens versus the Jets. Now, this game maybe on the field won't be quite as interesting, but there's a lot of storylines coming in. We've still got the question about Lamar Jackson's contract. And this week, uh, Coach Sala had said that Zach Wilson looks good, feels good, and though we're recording this ahead of time, but we could know sometime midweek if the quarterback could return in time for week one. Tyler, what do you what do you see from this Ravens-Jets game? So, you know, I'm kind of surprised that Lamar Jackson hasn't, you know, agreed to a lengthy, long-term, lucrative extension with the Ravens yet. Uh, but there's still a little bit more time. At the time of this recording, he hasn't signed a deal yet. Um, I think he, if he does not sign, he's going to play this entire season motivated, hungry to prove that he is still one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, top five in my opinion. He wants to prove that again. So if Lamar Jackson plays how I think he's capable of playing, this is the Ravens in a landslide, regardless if Zach Wilson is going to play or not. The Jets, they still have a couple more years to uh, get better. Look, the Ravens need to need to ante up the money and give Lamar Jackson a guaranteed contract that's richer than Deshaun Watson's. Uh, Lamar Jackson is a face of the NFL. He's got a cleaner plate um, than Deshaun Watson. He has a cleaner image. Um, he's a guy that, that kids and people just flock towards. And I'm not just saying that because he's the Ravens quarterback. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's a contract situation needs to happen real soon for Lamar Jackson. Hopefully it does before the season. Hopefully it does by the time we're done with this podcast and we can fly it in here. But I got the Ravens over the Jets here. I think, uh, Robert Sala is probably just, you know, um, you know, speaking optimistically about Zach Wilson. Maybe you're trying to alter the game plan for Baltimore, but, 
I said Zach Wilson out as long as I need to. He's the future of the franchise. You can't get through year two of the Jets rebuild if you don't have him. I think that you should sit him for week one. And moving on to the last one o'clock game Eastern time here, we've got the Jaguars versus the Commanders. Again, not sure there'll be much going on the field that we want to watch. The only storyline that does carry over from last season is that Carson Wentz is now the quarterback for the Commanders. And if you remember, the Colts were one game out of the playoffs. All they had to do was beat the lowly Jaguars and they couldn't get it done. So is there a little bit of a chip on the shoulder of uh, Carson Wentz, whose shoulder is practically chipped away at this point in time. Safed, uh, what do you see out of this game? Producer Emily, wow, no restraint. Um, I'm going to take the Jaguars in this one. I think the stability that they're going to have without Urban Meyer in Jacksonville is going to prove so greatly for Trevor Lawrence and that improved Jaguars team. Um, I know the commanders are putting everything together, love their defense, Chase Young's out. Um, you know, Taylor Heineke is what he is. Um, I got the Jaguars in this one, Tyler. This is a sneaky good game between two mediocre teams. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, the home field advantage favors the commanders. I do respect and like Ron Rivera as a head coach. I think the commanders have enough to barely squeak by a win over the Jaguars. All right, let's move on to a division rival here. We're going Packers versus Vikings at 425. Safed, what do you see in this game? Ooh, this is going to be a good game, Tyler. Go this ahead, be a go real ahead and pick the Vikings. Game. This is going to be a real good game. I'm going to take the Vikings week one, Tyler. I really will. Um, I like. I, I think this new offense with Kevin O'Connell, um, I think Justin Jefferson is going to have a breakout year even more than he did last year. I think Dalvin Cook's in for a big year, too. Um, we'll see what Kirk Cousins does to help all those guys out. But I think they're going to split with the Packers this year. And, and if there's any game to get it, I think it's week one. Well, I, I do like your pick. Uh, the Packers, they're going to have to adjust with life without Devontae Adams. It's going to be a rough adjustment, especially for that receiving course. But the Packers, they invested a lot in their defense. I think they're going to have a really good defense this season. And I'm going to pull a use off it. I don't like betting against Aaron Rodgers. So hey. I'm not going to bet against Aaron Rodgers. I got Aaron Rodgers and the Packers wow. pulling it through against their division rival, Minnesota Vikings. Wow, I, I went against my word, Tyler. I'm pretty sure I'm <laughs> I know, I know. Let's uh, let's talk about that team that gained Devontae Adams now. We're looking at 425, the Raiders versus the Chargers. Tyler, what do you see out of this game? This is one of the best games of the week, in my opinion. The Chargers want to get uh, the Ravens back. I mean, the Raiders back, excuse me, for, you know, getting them out of the uh, playoffs in that final game of the seasons. I think the Chargers have revenge on their mind. I have them winning at home and a close one. You know what I think, Sophie. Justin Herbert, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's about to prove it. He's about to prove it week one. I think you think Justin Herbert is a Hall of Fame quarterback already. Uh, He's on his way. (laughs) <laughs> He's on his way. Um, I love I love the Chargers offense. I love the Raiders offense even more. I know this is Josh McDaniels' first game as the Raiders coach. I know this is the first game for Devontae Adams. I'm picking the Raiders in this one, man. Uh, I don't think anybody can stop Devontae Adams on the other side. Not a lot of people can stop him in this whole league. Um, I got the Raiders over the Chargers week one. Let's keep going with the 425 games here. We've got the Giants versus the Titans. Safed, what do you see in this game? 
Uh, Derrick Henry still going to run wild. I think the Giants are a little too early in the rebuild. I think Brian Dable is going to do a really good job in New York. Um, but I got the Titans in this one. We'll see if they can compete with the Colts in the NFC, excuse me, the AFC South. I don't think they will this year. I think this is the last season as Ryan Tannehill being a full-time starter in Tennessee. I think, you know, that rookie Malik Willis is coming up. Uh, but Derrick Henry, he's going to run wild this season, as you said, Safed. Going to lead the league in rushing. I got Tennessee. All right, moving right along to our last 425 game on Sunday. We've got the Cardinals who have Kyler Murray's got a new contract. Cliff Kingsbury's got a new contract. And Patrick Mahomes has no familiar targets left. What do you see, Safed, in this Chiefs versus Cardinals game? What are you talking about, Producer Ebley? Travis Kelsey is still here. He might have two touchdowns in this game. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. I'm going to pick the Chiefs again like Tyler does all the time. Um, like the Cardinals roster, don't like them without DeAndre Hopkins. And I think no matter who's on the field, Patrick Mahomes is on the field. It doesn't really matter. I think Juju Smith and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Sky Moore, I think a lot of targets are in place for Patrick Mahomes to have a, a potential MVP season as well. The Chiefs have won seven straight openers. It's going to be eight. They are going to be the Cardinals. <laughs> there he goes. There he goes. I'm going to pick the Chiefs again. I'm going to pick them a lot this season. Maybe not yes, week we two, are. that week two game. Ooh, all right, all right, all right. Let's keep week two for week two, and we'll finish off Sunday with the Sunday night game. We talked about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with JB a little bit. They're facing the Dallas Cowboys, who I think just got another penalty. Tyler, what do you you see out of the Bucs versus the Cowboys wrapping up that Sunday slew of games? The Cowboys are going to find a way to break your heart, and they're going to lose to Tom Brady and the Bucs. And I get all the storylines around Tampa Bay this offseason and the questions, but they still have Tom Brady, and they're going to figure out a way to beat the Cowboys because the Cowboys just don't know how to win. Ooh, this one's a tough one. I was at this opener last year where – Cowboys went toe-to-toe with the Bucs, and Dak Prescott had it all on his shoulders. Um, wow, this is a tough game. I'm going to go with the Bucs. Pick the Cowboys. Pick the Cowboys. I'm going to go with the Bucs as well. I'm not messing with Tom Brady here. Kind of wish we were ending on this one because the next game, I know there's some storylines. Sure, it's great when a quarterback returns to his former team for the first time, and it is Russell Wilson, and it is a new look, Denver Broncos, and there's a lot of exciting things. There's new owners. Lewis Hamilton's involved. We love that about them. And then there's the Seahawks, who Pete Carroll believes in, says that there's nothing but good stuff happening there. What do we think on Monday night's 8-15 Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson facing off against his own old team in the Seattle Seahawks? Safa, what do you think? I think it's going to be a really nice fanfare for Russell Wilson at the beginning of the game. I think Seahawks fans are going to let him hear it during the game, but I got the Broncos in a blowout. The days of the Legion of Boom and Russell Wilson in Seattle are over. They still have Starbucks. They still have Microsoft. But on the football field, it's going to be tough sledding. <laughs> I got the Denver Broncos winning. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another edition. Week one is well underway. We can't wait to wrap up week one with you next week and get look ahead to week two. The NFL season's finally here. And if you haven't already, guys, download the USA Today Sports Plus app in your Apple Store, in your Google Play you're an NFL fan, we want to help you 
Be the best fan you could be with USA Today Sports Plus app. Check it out in your stores and tune in to us next week. Thanks again for listening. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app where the biggest fans fan harder. Saga.